I got a question for, for you as we start this morning. Um, do you ever wonder what God sees? Like he's looking down on us, do you wonder what he sees? And so when I asked that question, the first thing I think of um, was uh, Friday night, we had uh, two nephews and a niece stay over and they're, I don't know, from four to 10 or 11 years old and the two boys were on the floor playing Legos. And so Sarah and I just enjoyed watching them, you know, as they, as they interact, as they uh, cooperated at times, as they didn't cooperate at times, uh, at, but as they were building, as they were putting things together, they were thinking things through. We're just kind of, you know, just kind of watching and observing and really just taking joy in their activities. And so uh, sometimes when I think about God, I think he just watches and sometimes he smiles and sometimes he probably shakes his head at me, and maybe sometimes, I mean, this is from a human perspective, right? So sometimes, like, he's looking, thinking, what in the world is he doing? Of course, we know that he knows, but even though, if we don't know what we're doing, so that's kind of from a, from a, uh, from a human standpoint, I think we think about God like that sometimes, Um, but from another perspective, um, I think that God looks down and he sees the big picture, you know, like we, we have a limited view on what's coming next. Um, and so we, we focus on, on what's happening like right in front of us, but we don't always um, have an idea or even stop to think about what's going on um, around us. And so um, I think about uh, sometimes, maybe this doesn't never happen to you in, in your, your marriage, but husband and wife, uh, going through their days, you know, one's at work, one's at home, they're both at work, they're doing whatever they're doing, maybe everything's just not going so well, and they come home together, and all of a sudden there's conflict and a disagreement. And maybe you guys have never been there before, I, Sarah and I have experienced that a time or two, I'm sure, but you get home and like, like just like immediately you're in a disagreement, and you have to take a step back and think, wait a minute, I didn't have so great of a day and and this happened to you and we're not really upset with each other but we just had two worlds collide and we didn't see it coming. But we know that God saw that coming and God sees the big big picture. And and, and this is God's omnipresence, this is his omniscience that come together and he just, he knows what's going on. He knows uh, what happened, he knows what's happening here this morning, he knows what's coming next. And Sarah and I, we've had the opportunity over the years to talk to many students um, as they are graduating high school and get, getting ready for that next step. And we've talked to students, we've talked to parents, um, over, in the last three years, we've gone through it with Nate and we're going through it with Court right now. And boy, wouldn't it be nice if you could just withdraw yourself to about 30,000 feet, right? And just kind of see the big picture, you know, kind of get, a, get a, 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 like, where is this going? How is this gonna end up? If I know how it's gonna end up, then I know how to make my plans and preparations right now. And I don't know if you've ever, felt that way, but sometimes I just think and, and even pray, Lord, what, what are you doing? What do, you, what do I need to see? Where should I be going? What's next? And sometimes he shows us and sometimes we move forward in faith. So we're going to look at jo- uh, continuing Joshua this morning. And I think what we see here 
um, really in chapter two, is the Lord giving the people, in, the people of Israel a little glimpse about what's going on on the other side and, and helping them to prepare for the future. We, oh, we don't always get that, but this is what I, I think we see here this morning. And so um, we're gonna start here in Joshua chapter one, verse 10. Let me pray first and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into this. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that it's life-changing. Thank you that it gives us direction. Thank you that it gives us hope. And as we look at it this morning, Lord, would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you direct us? Would you uh, open, your, open our eyes to the truth that's within it? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we looked at the first nine, chapter, excuse me, nine verses of chapter one last week, and, um, and we saw Moses, uh, Moses is dead. Joshua's preparing to lead the people uh, across the Jordan River to the promised land, and God had some instructions for him. He said, look, uh, Joshua, I have given you this land. He told them, you need to be strong and courageous. You need to obey what I'm telling you to do. You need to meditate on my word. And uh, you need to know that I'll be with you. That's kind of the first nine verses in, in a nutshell. And so uh, Joshua's been given this encouragement as they're making their preparation. Um, but I've got, a, I've got to um, wonder that as they stood there at the Jordan River, they're in the, the plains of Moab, the wilderness is behind him, this, this land is in front of them, they have these instructions from God, they, they have these promises from God, but they also have the memories, maybe still, lingering from 40 years ago. The, the, the 12 spies we talked about briefly last week, 10 of them went in and came back with a negative report, and two came back with a good report, and the Lord said, you're gonna wander in the wilderness till this whole generation uh, passes away, and then uh, I'll take a new generation into the promised land. But you have to wonder, this new generation, were they talking about what their, their fathers had seen? Were they talking about, man, like, how big were these giants? Like, how strong were these fortified cities that they didn't cross the river 40 years ago, and if they were that big and that strong 40 years ago, how much bigger and stronger are they today? And so they're on the, on the banks of the river, and they're, they're getting ready to go across, and this is what Joshua said to them. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. He said, spread the word. Prepare your provisions, for within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So here's the instruction. Get ready. We're going over. Get your things together. He, there's a reminder in there. This is the land that the Lord is giving you to possess. And so um, if, if we were to continue reading, we're not going to read this whole passage this morning, but I encourage you to do that uh, this afternoon or sometime this week. We see that uh, two, two and a half tribes, the tribes of uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, they, they were given land on the east side of the Jordan, and there were some instructions there. Okay, yes, you're going to settle there, but you have to send your men with the rest of the people uh, to fight for the land that will be for everyone, and then, then you can come back and settle. And um, we arrive here in um, chapter 2, 
and there's this story of the two spies that go over. Joshua says, I'm gonna send two more guys in there to kind of scout out the land, get the lay of the land before we go over. Uh, I'm sure he's got to be praying and praying to the Lord, Lord, let them see what I saw 40 years ago and not what the other 10 saw. And so uh, Joshua chapter two, they're on the banks of the river, uh, they are, they're ready to go, there's gotta be some level of anticipation, some level of not really sure what they're gonna be getting into, and uh, we come to chapter two, we'll read the first 11 verses. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly uh, from Shittim as spies, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho said to Rahab, sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out, and I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, maybe you'll overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and had hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order, in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut, that's the gate of the city, as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So they, they were chasing after them out into, on a wild goose chase, basically, because Rahab had hidden the two spies on her rooftop. Uh, in verse eight it says, before the men lay down, she came to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion of Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens, above and on the earth beneath. So this is, this is, the, this is the interaction between the two spies and between Rahab. And as the, as the chapter unfolds here in verse 12 and continuing, uh, Rahab says, look, I've treated you fairly. I've been kind to you. I've hid you. Would you save my family? I know you're going to come and take this city, but when you do, will you spare us because of the kindness that I've shown to you? And the, and the man, of course, agreed that they would do that. They said, no problem. When we come to take the city, hang a, a scarlet uh, cord, a rope from your window. We'll know where you are. If you're, whoever's in that room, your family with you uh, will be protected. We won't, uh, we won't take you. And, and they set up an agreement uh, for when they returned. Verse 22 says this. This is, this is after Rahab's let them down. Of course, she sent the, the guards and the soldiers this way, and she let the men go the other way. And it says, uh, the two spies, verse 22, they departed and went into the hills and remained there three day, days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned, this would be to, to the other side of the Jordan. They came down from the hills, passed over, and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, 
and they told him all that had happened to them. And this is their report. They said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So when I read this chapter, I'm seeing the people of Israel on the banks of the Jordan River getting ready, making preparations to go across, uh, which they didn't do 40 years ago as God commanded. So I'm sure in their minds they're like, okay, Lord, you've called us to do this. We're willing to do it. We're going to do it. But I'm just wondering, what, what are they thinking? What do their hearts feel? What are they thinking in their minds as they are doing this? Are they wondering, man, is this, is this going to be a disaster like it was last time? Is it really going to happen this time? How is this going to work? There's still giants over there. There's still fortified cities. And, and God in his providence gives them a glimpse of what's going on across the other side of the river. And like I said, we don't always get this in life, but they get a glimpse of what's going on. We're going to look at it. Uh, let's go back to verse 8 together. And this is the, 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 t- the two spies with Rahab on the roof. And uh, before they went to bed, she came up to them and said to them, verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you the land. She gave confirmation. It's exactly what Joshua had said to them before they left. The Lord has given us the land. Let's make preparation to take it. And the two spies went in to check things out. And, and the, the report they get from the lady within the city, we know here in the city that the Lord has given you the land. She also said this, the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away from you. They were afraid. They said, she, she basically said, we don't even have it in us to fight you. We don't have it, our men don't have it in them to stand up to you. The Lord has given you the land and we are weak and you will take it, is what she said to them. Um, and, and she explains, like we heard what happened, uh, at the Red Sea, we heard what happened when you fought the Amorites. And verse 11 says this, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. She said, we, haven't, we don't have any fight left in us. We're like We haven't even started yet and we're not, we're not ready to do it. The Lord has given you this land. And, and this is so interesting what she concludes here at the end of verse 11. This is why. The Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. She said, your God's the powerful God. Your God is in control of all things. Your God is giving you this land and there is nothing we can do about it. And the good news is that when we read about this God in the Bible, he's our God this morning. He still has the power. He is still in control, and he is still working on our behalf. This information that Rahab gave to the spies, and then the spies relayed to Joshua, which would have gone to the people, gave them confidence in what God had already told them. Sarah and I were having a discussion this um, last night and I, I had given somebody some instruction and they, you know, they didn't, it fell on deaf ears, so I thought. 
And she said, well, did you kind of, did you give him, is that all you said? And I said, yeah, that's it, that's all. And she said, what about, the, what if you had given them the big picture? And I said, but if I said, if I gave instruction, isn't that enough? And I guess the answer is it should be, but it's not always. Right, when God says to the people of Israel, I have given you the land, should that be enough? It should be, but in his kindness and in his graciousness, knowing the human heart, knowing the, the human condition, he allowed the spies to go over and hear it from the other side. We don't have any fight in us. The Lord is giving you our land. You just have to come and take it. And, and so, uh, God knows, knows our weakness. He knows where we fall short. If he says it, it should be enough. But in this case, he, he, he went ahead of them and let them see what was happening on the other side. So what, what I take from this this morning is if God says it, we can believe it. Even if he doesn't show us what's on the other side. So Rahab's report confirmed what God had said confirmed that uh, the Lord was going to give it to him. We looked at this last week in the first few verses of chapter one. Uh, God had said to Joshua, I'm giving you this land. Every place that the sole of your foot touches will be yours. No man will be able to stand against you. And Rahab confirms the report. If God tells us something in his word, it can be trusted and we can move forward with it. So another example that this makes me think of, uh, we'll flip over just to a minute, Second Kings chapter six. Another instance where, the, where God is giving, giving them the big picture, helping them to see what's going on around them to give them the faith and the confidence for when he doesn't show them that. And this is when the, the king of Syria was pursuing the prophet Elijah. And uh, he had it out for Elijah, wanted to kill him, wanted to do away with him. And, uh, and so the account goes in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14, uh, the king of Syria, he sent horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And this is the city that Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha and his servant were in. And so the king of Syria has them surrounded. And uh, it says in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elijah, rose early in the morning, he went out, and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. They were surrounded. There was no way in, no way out. The servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. And Elisha said to him, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha had confidence that God had a plan and God would see them through. This, this young man that was with Elisha though, maybe didn't have the same faith, maybe didn't have the understanding of how God works, maybe didn't have the confidence to believe what he knew was true about God. So Elisha prayed and said this, "'Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So the, the, uh, the king of Syria might have had the city surrounded but God had the king of Syria surrounded 
And God allowed Elisha and his servant to see that there was more for them than there were against them. And I think this is so true in our lives. We, when we face an obstacle, when we face, as we talked about last week, what do, what do we fear? What are we afraid of? What causes us unease in our life? What causes us uh, dread or anything in between that unease or dread? What are we uncertain of? Whatever that might be, we have confidence that God is with us, that he is able, that he is capable, and that he will see us through any situation. God was at work for Elisha and his servant. God was at work for Joshua and the people of Israel. And God is at work for us today. We don't always see it, but we must know that it's true and walk in faith because it's true. Now, we tend to want to have proof, right? Okay, God, if you're at work, show it to me. I need something. I need some sort of evidence. And, and maybe it's understandable in, in our world today when I, you get the, the, every other piece of mail is, you know, your mortgage is about to default. Call this number today, you know? Um, your, your, uh, your car insurance is about to run out. Anybody getting these, these notices? My mortgage is not really in default, but what I'm saying is it's a, a false notice to try to get me to call them so they can sell me their product or take my bank account information. Uh, with social media, with the news media, it's like you hear these things and you're like, eh, I don't know if that's true or not. We're kind of, we're kind of uh, learning to be skeptical, but when we open God's word, we have to drop the skepticism we have to believe that it's true and we have to walk in faith because it is true. So the truth we're seeing here for Joshua and the truth that we're seeing for Elisha is that God works on behalf of his people. Uh, Charles Spurgeon would say this, that you have not perceived spiritual things is true, but it is no proof that there are none to perceive. So he says, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that it's not true, it's just mean that you haven't seen it yet. And as we walk with God, as we put our faith in God, as we step out in obedience because his word says something, he, he confirms that to us and he uh, validates that for us. In Psalm, David wrote this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid? Whatever we're dealing with today or you'll be dealing with this week, if we say the Lord is the stronghold of my life, I'll put my faith and trust in him. He saved me, is he just gonna leave me, to, to leave me out to dry? No, he's gonna see me through whatever I'm going through. Verse two in Psalm 27 says, whatever, or excuse me, when evildoers assail me to eat at my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble, stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, I will be confident. Why? Because the Lord was his salvation, and the Lord's our salvation today. David had confidence in God no matter what he was facing. So what, what, as, our, as, our, as we deal with issues in life, whether it's a personal issue or a financial issue or a work issue, 
our understanding and maybe our perspective and the, the end result is limited, but God knows and we can put our faith and our trust in God that he will see us through. Romans 8:28. this is a familiar verse. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. It's, it's not a, a, a promise for a, a perfect life. It's not a, a promise for smooth sailing, never gonna have any issues, but it is a promise that God is at work and that he is at work for our good. And so the question is, do we believe that this morning? Do we believe that God is at work on our behalf for our good? Romans 8, a few verses later, 31 and 32. Um, what will we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When we say God is for us, what do we mean? Why would, why would God be for you? Why would, be, why would God be for me? It's not because of what we've done, it is because of who we have become. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are declared righteous in God's sight because of Jesus' death on the cross. So he is for us because we bear his name and we represent him. God is for us because we are to imitate him and to reflect his image to a fallen world that needs to know that there's a God in heaven who loves us and sent his son for us. It continues, uh, verse 32 says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God went to the great length of sending Jesus to earth to live a perfect life and die on the cross on our sins so that we could have a relationship with him, will he not give us what we need for day-to-day -day life as well? What we need for each and every trial, what, what is uncertain to us is known to God and he has promised to take us through those things. So what's, what's your uncertain situation this morning? Maybe at home, maybe it's at work, maybe it's with friends, maybe it's right here at church this morning. I mean, I'll admit, I'm with you guys probably, you're probably thinking, man, most of the time, I don't get to see the big picture. You know, God's never shown me the, the angels and the chariots that are surrounding me, that are that his angels that are for me. He's never, he, he doesn't always let me go to the other side of the Jordan and, and see who's there, talk to Rahab, who's gonna say to me, you know what, actually, this is, it's gonna happen like this, this, and this, and it's gonna be okay. But if that person was there for us, they would say, well, this will happen first, and then this will happen, and then you'll do this, and, and then you'll go here, and they would conclude with this, just trust God. He's gonna see you through. So while we don't know what the process always is going to be, the conclusion is the same. We can put our faith and trust in God. He will see us through. No matter what we face, he'll be with us and we can have peace as we go through it. Isaiah 26 verses three and four, 
says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. As we keep God's word in our mouth, we talked about that last week, as we mutter and mumble and meditate on God's word as we go through, go through the day, as we go through the week, um, as we're thinking uh, about what his word says, as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we do it, this is what Isaiah is saying, whose mind is stayed on you. We're meditating on God, we're thinking about God, we're, we're under, we're, uh, his words are in our mouth. We're meditating on what he's told us. We're trusting in those things to be true. It says that God will keep that person in perfect peace. It doesn't say he'll remove them from the situation, but in the situation he will be with us and he will keep our mind in perfect peace because we've put our faith and trust in him. This morning we've got to put our trust in Jesus. He loves us, he's working on our behalf, and he will see us through whatever it is that we're facing this week. Heavenly Father, I truly am just so thankful for your word. Lord, we see here this morning that, uh, that Joshua and the people faced major trials. They faced the unknown. They faced this uh, monumental obstacle in front of them. And, the, and you gave them just a little glimpse of what was happening on the other side of the river, and it made them realize that exactly what you had told them was true. And we look at uh, Elisha and, and, and the servant with him. And they, and, and they woke up one morning and they, and they thought, there is no way we'll overcome this. And you opened their eyes to see that you were working on their behalf. And Lord, we have this, this promise in scripture that all things work together for our good, for those that are called according to your purpose, for those who you love. And so Lord, as your children, you're working on our behalf even this morning. And so Lord, I don't know what's going on in everybody's life this morning, but as we look at your word, we understand that you do and that you care, and that you have concern, and that you love us, and that you're working on our behalf. And so, Lord, we put our faith and our trust in you for every situation that will come against us this week. We put our faith and trust in you for our salvation, and we put our faith and trust in you uh, to walk daily with us. And so, Lord, I ask that you would uh, reveal to us, Lord, where, where, where our faith is weak, would you strengthen it? Uh, but Lord, would we have confidence to believe what your word says? Would we have confidence to follow the path that you're leading us? Would uh, you help us to put our faith and trust in you no matter what we're facing this week? Lord, your word says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And Lord, I pray that that would be true for us this morning, for each and every one. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.